So, Matt, late again, are we? I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I really wanted to make flurry, and I had to stop by five Macca stores, so I found one whose software machine was working. Oh, happens to the best of us. Do you want to talk about it? Well, I'd rather speak to Mr. Ronald McDonald himself, but until he's free for an interview, I guess you'll be... Acceptable company. Hello. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us. Yes, thank you. Good to see you, Z. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I'll, um, I'll kick things off. I want to talk about the new Bond film, No Time to Die. I really want to watch it. It, it's a shame you haven't seen it because I am going to spoil the entire thing. No, no, I'm joking. I will try and do this with spoilers free. Okay. Um, I feel like I've been waiting for this film for a long time because it was one of those films that got delayed due to COVID. In fact, I think it was possibly even the first one to really get hit by these delays. Mm. Um, but it's finally out, finally in the cinemas, and it, I really liked it. Really, really good. For a send-off for Daniel Craig, I thought it was really solid. Actually, the only James Bond movies I've seen are the Daniel Craig ones. So I started on Casino Royale. I think that's not a bad thing. (laughs) (laughs) That's part of what I want to talk about because the Daniel Craig films have kind of rebooted the whole franchise. Mm. You know, James Bond's been around for 50 years or so. Um, And the first movies were in the 60s and they were very, you know, they're outdated. Mm. Didn't age well. No, some of the the aspects didn't age well. Like Sean Connery dressing as a Japanese man in one of the movies. Um, I saw a photo of me, sorry, detour. On Facebook, wearing Native American headgear and on one of my Facebook memories. And I thought, oh, I'm glad I'm not famous because I would get cancelled. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but this, this was really bad, though. This is really racist. Was he doing an accent? I don't think so. Okay. But he had, he had like, plastic surgery to make his, oh, well, prosthetics, I should say, to make his eyes look more Asian. It was just... It didn't look convincing at all. And anyway, that's the point, right? Th- these movies have matured as they've gone on. And I think the Daniel Craig films ushered in uh, the new era. You know, it, it's the age after the Bourne movies and action movies are different now. And so, What is this new? How do we define this new era? What is it? First of all, the whole thing was a reboot. So generally the James Bond chronology, they're all meant to be the same character. Even though you've got, you know, Lazenby and Tim Dalton and Roger Moore and Sean Connery and Pierce Brosnan all playing this character. But it's all meant to be the same person and with a continuous storyline and connections between the movies right until daniel craig came along and rebooted everything so in casino royale he starts the movie as not a double o and he he becomes double o seven the movies are all very closely linked for the most part you can look at the daniel daniel craig movies as their own continuity also they're a bit more grittier there's a little less goofiness there's a little less gadgets I mean, they introduce that as the movies go on. Uh, they kind of embrace that more goofy side of James Bond. But for the most part, they were they were grisly, grimy kind of reimaginings of the story. Kind of like how Batman Begins was a down-to-earth version of Batman for his time. Mm-hmm. So this was his final his final movie, Daniel Craig. I believe after Spectre, which is the fourth one, um, he did not want to come back. And there was a lot of hearsay and, and toing and froing about whether he would come back to play the character. And he did. And I, th- I think it was a really good thing because this movie was really solid. I think it was probably my favorite of his films. Mm. Pretty close. I really like Casino Royale, the first one. But this one was really close. I'm glad he came back. I'm sure he did as well. Um, because it's generally looked upon positively by critics and fans alike. There was a lot of controversy, mm. which I want to talk about, though. Yes. So Daniel Craig in general, even at the start of his run, there was a lot of controversy over a blonde James Bond and a Bond with blue eyes. 
you'd be surprised, but that's how picky some of these fans can be. Mm-hmm. This mo- new movie, however, is different in that Bond is retired at the start of this movie. He's gone off to live with Madeline Swan, and there's a new 007, who's a, a female character mm-hmm. who's stepped in to take his place as a new 007 agent. So the movie's still about James Bond as a character, but he's no longer working for MI6. He's, he's no longer 007. And there was a lot of uproar about that, especially in the trailers, because it looks like the new 007 was giving the old Bond a lot of shit, like, you know, dissing him, calling him old, all the stuff. And a lot of people think it's part of this woke movement of making Bond a bit more politically correct. Mm. So there was a lot of people judging this movie before they even went into it. And I'm happy to say that I didn't feel any of that watching the movie. I think the story they were telling and the reason that these things were done and why Bond is retired and why there's a new 007, I think it all went very well. I actually really like the character, the new 007 character. I think Bond himself gives as good as he gets in terms of the the snappy remarks and comebacks and, and chips to each other. It's like a, it's more like a professional rivalry between the two people. That's cool. Look, I don't know what direction the movies are going going to go into after this. It's obvious that Daniel Craig is not going to come back now. So with this new 007 that was introduced, mm-hmm. the female, mm-hmm. is the intention for her to carry on the next few movies? That's the thing. I don't know. Some people believe so. I personally don't. I think they're always going to need to have a James Bond character. She's integral to the plot, but it's still James Bond's movie. Fine. Personally, I, even though she was a fun character, I don't think she's she's got the charisma and appeal to be the lead in a movie. So there was no kind of handoff from him to her to be like, it's your turn now no, to take the no, reins. No, nothing like that. Uh, okay. They, they learned to respect each other, but but no, there was none of that. She was in it as far as she had to be, but it was his story from the beginning to end. Got it. It was more of an emotional story than a lot of James Bond movies normally do as well, which I really enjoyed. I'm glad um, Daniel Craig had a bit more to do in terms of his emotional, his, his acting prowess. I think maybe he negotiated that because I remember one reason that he didn't want to return is because he wasn't really flexing his acting mm. in the movies. It was just very one-dimensional. He's done these movies for like 20 years, you know, he's, mm. and I feel like every time I see him in a movie that isn't James Bond, he's having a lot more fun. Have you seen him in Knives Out, for example? Yeah. He's just, he's just playing Great this really, movie. it's a good movie, but he's just playing this really weird character and with an awful accent, but it just looks like he's having a good time. So I'm, I'm glad they gave him a bit more to do in this. And I think he, he, he can even tell the energy he has in the movie is, I think, a bit more. He's, he's glad to be back in a way. But it's a great movie. I, I watched it with my girlfriend and we left and we were kind of just like hyped. We wanted to go see it again because the whole <laughs> thing, like it's a long movie. It's almost three hours long. Mm. And some of these Bond movies, they can drag a bit. This was just like a, a thrill ride, like from the, the beginning to end. Yeah. Cool. I'm excited. I'm so excited to see it. Yeah. Don't want to ruin it for you. There, there's a but. Not buts. There is, there's a lot to ruin, but I'm not going to tell you. There is a... James Bond movies always have like a real... like an, They have an opening scene, which is awesome. And the opening scene for this, set in Italy, was insane. Incredible. The the stunts and the... You know, they, they bring some of the gadgets back. His, cars, his car has machine guns again, and it's just great. But I also want to touch on the fact that he's not... A James Bond trope has always been... He kind of uses his sexual ways to interrogate women, right? And that's like in every James Bond movie. He kind of mm-hmm. sleeps with anybody, and th- there's none of that in this movie. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's committed to Madeline Swan, the character from Spectre, and it's it's not what you'd expect, but it's just all of that's kind of gone. 
So you might see that as also becoming a bit more politically correct, which mm, progression. I, th- I think, yeah, it, it it should be moving in this direction. Um, but it shows that it, the movie doesn't need to go that way to to have a fulfilling James Bond movie. And I don't know if people are going to enjoy, you know, having a bit more of an emotional, personal stakes James Bond movie. But I really did. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it, and it's making me look forward to seeing it even more. Yeah, I hope you like it too. I'd uh, easily give it a nine out of ten. Ooh, pretty okay. good. Really enjoyed it. So, Matt, I wanted to talk to you about something that happened to me a few months ago. It was an incident, and I want to tell you about it and get your thoughts. I'd be happy to share my thoughts. Okay. (laughs) It's it's like a, almost like a, I don't know if I was in the wrong or not. Okay. And also, what could I have done differently? So it's acceptable or not, Zara? Yeah, I guess so. It's okay. It's more like, I don't know what I could have done differently in this situation. Okay. So, okay. you tell me if I'm the one that's wrong. Is it me who's out of touch? Am I the problem? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's the children who are wrong. Okay, I moved a few months ago mm. to a new neighborhood. And the first thing I did was, because I get coffee every morning before work just to wake me up, need that elixir of sure. life. It's part of your routine. Yes. So I wanted to find the best local cafe because there are quite a few around me. So I went on Google and I found the ones that seemed decent. And I visited like five different cafes, like from Monday to Friday, a different cafe each time and judging them on price, ambience, taste. This sounds very much like you. Yeah, I'm good. I'm glad. I bet you had a. I bet you had a, like a spreadsheet, or you did like a notepad. It, it was a mental, a mental, uh, mental judgment. Yes. So anyway, I landed on one particular cafe because it had great coffee, great baristas who were fun and like to have conversations. So that added to the experience. Yeah. Okay. So then um, I started going to this cafe pretty regularly, every day, right? Mm -hmm. And chatting to the baristas and they'd know my usual and it'd be kind of fun back and forth, you know. They they get to know you, so. But it was like, it was like playful. Flirting. It, it had a it had a flirty, but it was like a it was like nature. a it was like a behind the bar kind of flirting. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like the kind of flirting where you just do it to pass the Professional day. Professional flirting. Yes. <laughs> so it got to the point where one particular one that was a bit more professionally flirty. Yeah. Uh, he asked me, oh, what are you doing today? What have you got planned? I said, oh, I'm recording the podcast. Yeah. Because it was a day that we were recording. And then he goes, oh, is it on Spotify? I said, yes. And then he hands me his phone with Spotify open to search for it. Okay. So I put it in. I said, there it is. And then he said to me, okay, I'll listen to it later. I'm like, okay. Then he's like, give me your number and I'll text you after I've listened to it to Mm. let you know how it was. Very smooth. How am I supposed to, like, there is no way to reject that. There is no way to say, oh, no, you can just tell me about it tomorrow. Like, I I had to, right? Would you say that I was strong-armed into doing that? I I think he he had you in a headlock. Yes, I agree. He had no idea. Yes. I want this to be known at this point in time. Yes. I, I would say that without being rude, there was no way to get out of that without handing over your number. Exactly. And you couldn't even give him a fake number because you see him every day. Yes, exactly. And he was doing it to tell me about his podcast feedback. It was like framed in that way. Yeah. I I, I have something to say, but I don't know where the story's going. So. Okay. No, no. You say it. So let's say his in- intention is to flirt with you. Mm. Just because you give him the number doesn't mean you have to reciprocate the flirt. You know, he could... He could go home that night and he goes oh your podcast looks really good and you're like really oh great thank you for letting me know and he's like what are you wearing and you're just like oh sorry um you know 
I'll see you tomorrow at the cafe. Okay, let me tell you how it went. <laughs> but I just wanted to highlight that particular moment in time because、okay. it's going to come back. Okay. So then I go back home to work, and、um, he messages me a couple of hours later to say, "Oh, great episode or something like just general podcast feedback." And all I said was, "Oh, thanks. Gra- glad you liked it. Something along those、sure. lines. Totally fine." Hang on, hang on, hang on. Yeah. What if he still continues to listen to the podcast? I don't think so. The way that it ends, I, <laughs> <laughs> I highly doubt it. And then throughout the day, he called me. Right. So the first phone call, I was like at lunch, so I just picked it up. And he would ask one question, but he asked like really, I want to say deep questions, not just I, one of them was like, "Do you believe in God?" Those sorts of questions. It was very the,、uh, wait when when he rang you, yes, and you picked up the phone, yes. It was say, literally hello. Then he goes, "Hey, do you believe in God?" Okay, yep, yeah. Yep, 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 there was yep, yep. no small talk, and I'd be like,、uh, "I gave him an answer, and I said, 'What about you? Do you to to be polite and return the question?'、Huh? Yeah, then、sure. he goes, "I'll call you back. I'll tell you next phone call or something along this." The and then he hangs up on me. So ask me one question, and it hangs up. And then every twenty to thirty minutes after that, he'd call me again to ask me one question, and he would not answer any questions back. He was like, it, it felt like I was speaking to someone in high school who thought that that was cool. It's a very strange approach he's taken. Yeah, I don't like phone calls at the best of times. <laughs> so if someone is ringing me every twenty minutes to ask me random questions, I would not pick up. So then I think after like three or four, I think on the fourth phone call I didn't pick up because it was just I had stuff to do. I didn't pick up, and then I messaged him like six hours later to say, "Oh, sorry, I had a nap." Sorry, I've got better things to do than pick up your <laughs> random phone calls. Okay, so that was a Friday, and then the next day was a Saturday, and I had something to do in the morning, so I didn't go to the cafe to get my everyday coffee. And then he messaged me, and he said,、It's、"Hey, just... where were you today?" And I was like, "Oh, sorry, I had to go do a random thing, but I'm coming back later for the pasta special because they do a pasta special at night." So at at this point, yeah, how were you feeling about his approach? I was not loving it,、mm. but also I didn't want to be awkward because I have to go there every day.、Mm. Kind of sucks. You were just being polite, and yes, yeah, you, you found your coffee shop that you really liked. Yes, yes. <laughs> and now some the guy ends up being a weird, creepy guy. <laughs> Going. So then, so I said I'm coming back later for the pasta special because I know he doesn't work at night; he only works in the morning. And the cafe closes. From midday to like six p.m. Right, so, so he、closed. only does the morning shift. He only does the morning shift, and he's definitely not going to be there at night. Please don't tell me. I go there. I go to get the pasta at like seven, and there's like a a picnic table out the front of the cafe, and he's there. And I thought, wait, wait, did he he put up the picnic table? No, no, no. Okay, it's, it's, it's permanently <laughs> fixed.、There. Okay, all right. And he, I'm like, he waited there. He was still in his work gear. He waited there. Like six hours. For six hours, he must have, unless he went to the shops and stuff, and then came back. But he came back to maybe wait for me to come to the pasta place. I didn't say I will see you. Like I didn't say come get pasta with me or anything. I just said I'm gonna go there later anyway because I know they have a special for the、mm. pastas and I wanted a pasta. I don't know. Did I give off vibes of hey wait for me? Not from the story you were saying. No, I did. I think saying no, but I'll be there later is. I don't think 
that and, can and knowing be... that he doesn't even work at night. Like, and I almost said it as like, I'm not going to go there when you're there. I'll be there another time. Mm. Even him saying, where were you today? That's not necessarily, you're talking about you visiting the restaurant, not coming to see him. Yes. You know? Yes. So anyway, long story short, we had a really like awkward conversation. I'm not going to go into it. Oh, it was... you have to go into it. No, <laughs> it was really bad. Anyway, I felt super it's uncomfortable. T- tell me the vibe. What, what was, was, what was like, the intention of the It was like this, much more of the same of the asking the one question. Was he like, oh, hi, fancy meeting you here? No. Or was he, was he, was it fully like. It was like trying to be mysterious and like. He definitely wasn't letting on that he it was an accident he was here. It was clear that he was waiting for you. He he didn't say so, but I also didn't ask. But I got the pasta takeaway, right? And mm. I was going to just walk past him. Yeah. And I did because I didn't – the people inside asked me if I wanted cutlery. I said, no, I've got some at home. So I walked past hoping that he wasn't waiting for me. And then he called me over and he's like, come sit down. What am I supposed to say? And we were in lockdown. It's not like I had anywhere to be. It's like, no, my – I got a guy coming over no we were in lockdown and i'm a stickler for the rules he doesn't know that (laughs) okay wait let me fast forward a little bit so there was a day that he wasn't working so i went to the baristas that were there that day who i because i got along with all of them there was three of them i said hey i'm kind of not into it what do i do Mm. and they said to me they pretty much said something to the effect of well maybe don't give him your number you know don't make him think that you no no no, that's 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 victim blaming is what that is I felt pretty annoyed when they said that because I felt like he asked for it in a way that I couldn't say no to. They're completely misunderstanding the situation some women, and I'm sure some men, have been in where you just, first of all, to not be rude or sometimes even to be safe. So you have to go along with these sort of things. Mm. You know, you have to give me a number. You have to... I can imagine this situation would happen everywhere, but that response is not correct. No, that, that's... Yeah, that's victim shaming for sure. Okay. They, they were nice about it, though. They were like, oh, do you want me to say something to him? Like, they were nice, but they did give off. Maybe don't do that thing that you did. Isn't he a work colleague? Yeah. Couldn't he be like, oh, he doesn't mean anything by it. He's just... No, no, they... they... Oh, did he say he's got his shrine of you down the <laughs> back of the store? No, no, no. They were like vouching for him. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Anyway, so, um, and then I bumped into him on the street, but like that next week, I thought, oh, maybe we can get past it, you know, let's just shake this off type thing. But he was so awkward when we bumped into each other. So his colleagues must have said something. And and then I had to change cafes because <laughs> I your... can't deal with that anxiety every morning. You have to go to your second best cafe. Yeah, I went to the second best one run by these Asians who are like a little bit rude to you, but they, and they don't care about you and there's no small talk. <laughs> and I think that's more my vibe. And the next time someone asks what you're doing tonight, you just be like, nothing, nothing at all. <laughs> <laughs> I left my phone at home. I don't have a phone number. So I guess my question after all this was, is there anything I could have done to change this scenario? Because it's it's haunted me a little bit. Well, look, I, I don't doubt there are people out there that wouldn't have had an issue saying no to him asking for their number. Mm. Having said that, you're talking to a guy. I once went to a Nando's and the waiter um, added me on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Because he was so interested in the work I do. So, like you, I'm a sucker for not wanting to upset people or be rude. Yes. But 
I don't think you did anything wrong. I think that scenario was going to play out the same way. Mm. I think either you were going to straight up have to be blunt and rude. Mm. Um, I mean, yeah, you can probably laugh at him. Like, oh, sorry, I, I don't know you that well. Mm, but, but then I can't, still can't go back because he makes my coffee and then he's going to spit in it or he's something. He's going to spit in it, exactly. Yeah. You don't want spit in your coffee. No. That's one so thing what is, in a coffee. Like, there was no way to, to reject it in a way that would not make it awkward. Not without being like super awkward and be like, oh, sorry, my phone, I got a new phone and I and the number's not connected yet. <laughs> oh, I, I have a condition where I can't remember numbers. <laughs> so has this guy messaged you since? No. Okay. After that awkward time that we bumped into each other on the street, we just parted ways. But I don't think there's any other way that scenario ends. From how you described it, I don't think you... You let him on. I don't think you, you implied anything else. Mm. He just took his shot. He was yeah. a little odd about mm. his approach. Mm. But no, without being without being blunt or rude... There was no way out of that without giving him your number. I agree. In his defense, I think that, I mean, that's a pretty smooth way to get a girl's number. (laughs) Not only is he listening to your podcast, but it's a good excuse. It was fine up until the phone calls with the one question and then hanging out. Yeah, look, that's very odd. Yeah. That's really strange. I definitely would have been even less patient than you. I would have been like, what the fuck was that? (laughs) Yeah. So, no, he just sounds like he he might be a bit socially awkward. A bit strange. He doesn't quite know how to interact in this situation. and No, it's his different approach, you know? So you think he actually thought ringing every 20 minutes to ask a random question was... I honestly think it was like, oh, I'm going to be mysterious and, like, approach it that way. I don't like that. That's really, that's really uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> Got to shoot your shot, you know? I bet he left his fedora and his katana uh, at home. That's you. You have the fedoras. And a katana. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I don't. So that I mean, that says a lot then. I don't. (laughs) This isn't about me. This is your story. (laughs) Um, I don't think you did anything wrong. Yeah, you just weren't vibing what it was putting down. Yeah, let us know what you think, listeners. If you would have approached that in a different way, if you have any suggestions for how I could have gone about that differently, slide into the DMs or slide into our acceptable company feedback link on our Instagram bio. On a scale of one to ten, how many red flags were there? So one thing you know about me, Z, is I'm a pretty avid video gamer. I do know this. Um, it's probably how I spend most of my free time. It's my happy place. It's my escape until it's not. Okay. Okay. So I want to have a conversation about challenge versus reward mm. because I'm finding myself wanting to play games that are more and more challenging, right? And and the craze of challenging games is growing, I think. It kind of went through a, a phase where video games when we were kids were exceptionally difficult. And that was because these video games were very short and developers wanted people playing their games as long as possible. So you go back and play a game from like 64 or a Super NES game and they're very difficult. Mm, like jumping up that flagpole, can never do it at the end of the Mario thing. Yes, exactly like that. That's exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about. Um, and even now, where a lot of people would argue that games are hand-holding. The games are a lot longer, but they're a lot easier. A lot of games have basically give it, given up on health bars altogether. And if you just hide from enemies, your health comes back. You know, just that sort of thing. But there also exists a niche. Um, have you heard of a Souls-like game? Mm-mm. 
Have you heard of the game Dark Souls? Mm-mm. Okay. So there's a company... I'm still, I'm still in Crash Bandicoot days. Well, Crash Bandicoot is actually very hard. Yeah. So there's a company called From Software, and they've become notorious for making games they call Souls-likes. So the first one was a game called Demon Souls, but it, I think it became really popular with Dark Souls. So Dark Souls is a game that's notoriously difficult. And if you die, there's penalties. So I haven't played Dark Souls. I played a game called Sekiro, which is made by that company. And I've got to tell you, it's probably some of the most difficult gaming I've ever done. Very, very frustrating. I'm talking one boss can take hours of learning and repetition to beat. And it was probably the hardest game experience I've ever had, but also the most rewarding. In what way? So the fact that these challenges they provide to you are so difficult and frustrating, the relief of overcoming those challenges is like nothing else. It okay. is it is like crack. It is addicting. But is it anything to do with the actual response that the game gives you? Or is it just a f- an internal feeling? It, it's an internal feeling. Okay. I guess all the tension and, and anger and, and <laughs> frustration built up over playing this game. But the, the key thing here is the game has to be fair. Mm. So a game like Sekiro or a lot of these Souls-like games, they're designed impeccably that the game systems are fair. If you've died, it's because you've misread something or you've mistimed something or you've made a mistake. Mm. Doesn't mean it's not hard. It's very difficult, but it's fair. If the game is glitchy or buggy or the attacks just don't make sense or a block doesn't work, that's frustrating for a whole other reason. But if the game is made well enough that you know you're the reason you're failing, it's a challenge worth overcoming, I think. So I played through Sekiro and at the time I would have said I never want to play this game again. But even now I have the urge to go back and play that game. And I've done other games where I do, I played Hollow Knight. There's a particular section in Hollow Knight called the Path of Pain. And it's a platforming segment. It's completely optional to the game. You don't have to play it. But it probably took me about six hours of trying and trying and trying. I I had to stop one day because I ran out of time. Courtney came home and I was really frustrated and angry and we had to go out. So I had to stop. I had to come back to it. And I kept trying and then I beat it. And it was like my whole persona changed. I was so relieved. And it's, it's that, that conversation about the difficulty and the frustration of it versus the relief that comes afterward. And if that is an equal ratio. Mm. So even now when I play other games, I play on hard mode, for example. I'm looking for a challenge. Games that are too easy, there's, you don't get that relief. You know, you don't want to go for a game without dying once. You know, you, you want a boss to kill you a few times so you can feel the rush of finally overcoming that challenge. Yeah, I get that. It's like when people are playing a sport or they're doing martial arts or something. They want to verse an opponent that is worthy of them. Test them. Yeah. Uh, Yes, but people that play a sport and martial arts actually get off the couch. (laughs) (laughs) No, but you know what I mean. Like I I do know what you mean. It's it's not gratifying to have things given to you or not to earn that recognition or achievement. Yeah. So you feel that initial relief and excitement from achieving it. Yeah. Do you ever look back and think, oh, wow, that took me X amount of hours to do? If you're implying that I think I wasted my time. No, I, I when I look back on it, it's more I remember overcoming that obstacle. Like climbing a mountain or something. Yeah, I suppose so. A really exhausting mountain. Mm. But no, I, I don't feel like it's time wasted. Why do we play games if not for... A lot of games are completely designed to give you a sense of gratification. They're literally designed to make you feel like you've achieved something when realistically you haven't. Mm. I've spent 300 hours playing The Witcher 3 and I feel like I've accomplished a lot. Mm. But, you know, it's, it's not going to get me a job. I can't put on my resume. It's not going to impress a girl. Well, some girls maybe, but... <laughs> I definitely agree that to feel that sensation of gratification, you need to feel like you've put something into it. 
Like if I work on a personal project and I really like put effort into it and there's passion there, mm. then I am more satisfied with the result. Whereas if you just try something and it's really easy to you, even if you achieve the same thing, there's not that same level of yes. I think there is a there's a level of pride involved as well. Mm. So part of me is like, I don't need to do this, but this is the hardest challenge that the designers of this game could come up with. I'm going to throw myself at this and I'm going to beat it. I think we have also very different ideas of how much effort we're willing to put into something. For instance, we've talked about it before, the cooking thing. Mm. I feel like cooking takes an hour, an hour and a half to do and then 10 minutes to eat. And that to me doesn't make sense. Like I want to feel like the reward at the end justifies the effort. I don't know necessarily that what you're describing to me would give me that feeling. I can't imagine you'd, you'd stick to it for what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. There's something about, something about the reason these sort of games appeal to certain gamers. Yes. But unfortunately, I seem to be a masochist <laughs> in that I seem to constantly be looking for these challenges. You know what? So far, you know, I'm sitting there doing the Path of Pain and it's, I've been doing it for three hours and I'm frustrated. But I'm like, you know what? I beat Sekiro. I can do this. And then you watch a couple of video guides and then you play for another two hours and then you have that one perfect run and you get in there and you do it and you text your girlfriend and she says, you know, great. Good cool job. Cool story, bro. Cool story. So now you're going to respond to my messages. <laughs> and all's right in the world. Yeah, and, um, there's definitely something in that. You've got to put in the hard yards to make it worthwhile. And they, there's that saying about, oh, nothing worth having is... Nothing worth having comes easy. Yeah, exactly. It's actually one of my favorite quotes. Yeah, and I think that's pretty true. It is, but, you know... I could struggle really hard and learn a language or I can struggle for six hours and beat a game which really doesn't mean anything if, but for me. You know, this is all this effort, frustration, the reward, it only means something to me. Mm. That's enough. That's all it needs to mean something to. That's true. That's enough. Mm. So we've had two wedding-related acceptable or nots come in. Woo, you're all feeling in the season for a wedding. <laughs> yeah, now that we can <laughs> finally have them again. That's true. Um, Michael from Riverston has written in. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Michael. Hey, we appreciate Michael. it. And his brother is getting married soon. Congratulations. <laughs> and he's thinking about asking his brother if he can propose to his girlfriend at his brother's wedding. Ugh. And he wants to know if that's acceptable or not, I guess. And he's not saying proposing, but asking to propose at someone else's wedding. Is it wrong to even ask? So asking to propose at someone else's wedding, acceptable or not? This is pretty clear cut for me. Mm. <laughs> I'm going to say not acceptable. Why? I don't know why. I don't, actually don't know why people do that. Not only is it taking away the moment from whoever's wedding it is. Yeah. But you're also taking away the moment from your partner as mm. well. They mm. want a special, unique moment. I mean, I guess you have all your family and friends there already. Yeah, and they're all dressed up and your partner's dressed up. But this kind of comes back to, are you doing this proposal for yourself mm. or for the recognition and the, and the Instagram photos? You know what I mean? Like, if it's something you just want to show of your partner, then why would you do it at someone else's wedding? I agree. I think it's kind of rude to ask anything of the wedding couple to make any kind of accommodation for you unless it's like dietary requirements. Like I remember when I got married, someone asked if they could bring a plus one. Like they weren't invited. I'd never met them before. I think wedding invitations are probably some of the most strict invitations. <laughs> Mm. You know, and whatever is on the invitation at a wedding is is the rule. That's yeah. it. But I think I don't know. This just seems tacky to me. Go and take her out on a nice picnic and 
ask her there. Yeah, don't ride on the coattails of someone else's event. Yeah, and I feel like if I was someone being proposed to at a wedding, mm. I wouldn't want I wouldn't want that. It'd be embarrassing. Agree. Because half the people at the wedding, if not more, are going to look at that event and, and frown on it and be like, why are they doing this now? Mm. It's his brother's wedding. Mm. I think maybe in their mind, it's like, oh, it's such a happy event. Everyone's happy. And then we're just going to top it off with the cherry. I mean, I have I know it happens. Mm. It's a big event, but I don't know. I, I guess I've never been one of those people that wants a big public proposal. Mm. I'd, I'd like something a bit more private. So this is just really against the grain for me. Mm, yeah. I think even if I was like a attendee or a spectator at that wedding and I saw it happening, I would cringe. Cringe, yeah, yeah, cringe. It's a cringe moment. Exactly right. Yeah, like this is not a good idea, dude. I would too. Um, and if I was his brother getting married, I'd say no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In fact, you're no longer coming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good. That's settled. Not acceptable. Not acceptable. All righty. Our next one comes from Nadia in Chatswood. Nadia, thank hey. you very much. She has asked about getting an extreme haircut or hairstyle that's drastically different to what you look like now just shortly before being a bridesmaid or a groomsman, I guess. Mm. So let's say, I don't know, girls dyeing their hair purple or guys getting a mullet. You know, something that's quite noticeable. I think it's a tricky one because mm. there's a lot of factors involved. You know, the person changing their hair, are they doing it to outshine the groomsman or the bride? Or for, like, there's all sorts of reasons to change your hair. And, and for the, the bride or the, or the groom, are they interested in being the center of attention or do they just want their friend to be there at the wedding and celebrate with them? It's a tricky one. Mm. If I was a groomsman for somebody that was so interested in how I looked, I don't feel like that'd be a very fun wedding. Mm. If they're like, no, Matt, you absolutely cannot get this haircut because <laughs> we all need to look respectable. I but mean, the thing is, could you not wait? Like for me, it's a timing thing as well. Like, can you not wait that extra week before you dye your hair purple? Well, what does it matter? You know, dyeing your hair purple doesn't mean it's going to look ugly. What does it matter if she dyes her hair purple or not? I, I agree with you. I just, I think I'm less... Tolerant? As per usual. Yeah, as usual. <laughs> no, but why? Like, it's not like they're trying to make a statement. I mean, maybe they are. I don't know. But if they are trying to make a statement or trying to outshine the bride, then... But the thing is, like, if they've looked a certain way, it's, like, drastically different to what they look like now. So if they look a certain way... And then just shortly before the wedding, they decided to do this unhinged thing. Cares. I guess. Like, like did, I, I would still keep them in there. Did you design the wedding dress? So, so what, you'd even consider kicking them out of the no, bridal no, party? No, no, not at all. No, I'd keep them in. It's yeah, the, the person's there. Like, did you design the dress to suit her old hair and now it doesn't look right? But I, I, I can't imagine it would be that big a deal. Like, it wouldn't ruin the wedding for me. Okay. What about something like wearing sunglasses or something that's still an appearance thing but you could easily not do the thing yeah that, that thing that's a bit different interesting wearing sunglasses just take off the sunglasses like what if they're like oh my eyes are sore well then get out of my <laughs> i'm just trying to understand Uninvited. where your line is because sunglasses is something you can take on and off yeah but you can choose to make this change later yeah well who knows the the circumstances you know it's not like he goes through a bad breakup so he decides to wear sunglasses for a year mm. okay what about contact lenses <laughs> that are like bright red <laughs> like demon eyes yeah well <laughs> that's a good point they're pretty dumb uh, I, I guess i just think demon eye contact lenses are <laughs> less acceptable in general than okay so the than new acceptable crazy haircut. then okay new acceptable or not is 
looking drastically different to your normal self, to your usual look, there's, just before the There's still a right difference. Thing. You woke up on the day of the wedding and decided to put demon eye contact lenses in. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's 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 a conscious decision you've done to be silly at the wedding. You know? Okay. If they decide to wear normal contact lenses so they don't have to wear the glasses, that's fine. But you want to put the stupid demon eye ones in. That's... <laughs> <laughs> That's just dumb. I, I just think, look, the, the difference is if they're trying to be silly or <laughs> okay. if they're just a silly person. If they're trying to ruin the wedding or just be dumb. Okay, so it's the intention behind the change. Yes, I think that's very important. Okay. For me, it's the could you have held off. If you literally could not have, you had to do no, it that no, day No, but that's implying reason. that this is going to ruin your wedding or you're going to take offense to the no, decision they made. No, no, no. It's made. just going to be a slight like, oh, okay. Like, it's going to be one of those. You An should... internal eye roll. These <laughs> It'll be external for you. You'll rock, they'll rock up with pink hair and you'll be like, oh. <laughs> The thing is, these people are meant to be, they're meant to be the closest people to you in your life. Yeah. So if they're the type of person to make this sort of decision, mm. either you just accept that or you'd have to give them the talk beforehand. Like, look, Jeremy, don't wear your demon eye contact lenses <laughs> at a wedding. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it is to do with the intention, but I don't think there's too many things that someone like could wear or do to themselves that I wouldn't accept. I, I don't think it would just, well, they got a face tattoo just before the wedding. Mm-hmm. Oh, fine. <laughs> okay. like just, nah, I didn't think I could. It's just I'd like ask them to wear makeup. I think the I cover of face tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, look, it's, it's just, <laughs> I think it, it would be polite to ask the groomsmen or the, or the bride if they can get the tattoo beforehand but if the guy is wearing something so egregious that it overshadows everything else in the wedding then are they really somebody i want at the wedding are they really my friend do they care so little about me that they <laughs> that they choose to get a darth Maul face tattoo for my wedding like it's just you know like <laughs> i think okay the real decider is if you can photoshop it out for the photos you can't photoshop out a face tattoo <laughs> yeah you can yeah you can there's technology for that <laughs> I think it's acceptable, but there's a but. Mm-hmm. And it's acceptable depending on the intention. Okay. If you truly had to get that face tattoo, oh God. <laughs> I was picturing <laughs> someone. But the thing is, right, for me, yeah. You someone pick- rocking up with a face tattoo. <laughs> the thing is, right, they didn't have to get the face tattoo right before the wedding. They know they're in the bridal party. They could have waited a little while, day after the wedding, got it. But that's what I mean. If they're that important to you and that you care enough to them, you'd think that they would hold off on anything that would ruin your wedding. But you're saying the crazy hairstyle would not? No, I don't think so. If, if they're that sort of eccentric person to get a crazy hairstyle. All right, hairstyle. what about like bright pink and orange dreadlocks that go from the head to the floor and drag on with a big train? Gorgeous. That's, that's, that's a hell of a style choice there, Shinishqua. <laughs> Look, that's pretty crazy. So for you, it's unacceptable. If you could have held off, if there was no time urgency for it, not acceptable. I, if it was like, oh, I'm playing the part of Ariel in a musical the next day and I had to dye my hair red, fine. We'll get you a wig. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's it's the intention behind it. Right. If you're doing something stupid intentionally to create a stir at the wedding, then no, it's not on. But I think generally just changing a style, yeah, acceptable. All right. Well, thank you once again for joining us. Thank you so much. Pleasure to have you again. Hope you've had a good time. I've had a good time. Hope you have too, Z. It's been pretty cool. Yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty cool good. Chatting. We'll see you next time. Bye.